Good morning, family. It's so good to see you this morning. I wonder if you can just lean over to the person next to you and say to them, well done. It's February and you're still coming to church. <laughs> so all of you that are watching on YouTube, it's okay. We'll see you next Sunday. <laughs> it's good to be together this morning. Uh, before I get to share the word, I would like to just uh, introduce somebody to you. Uh, last year, as you know, we had um, a, a, a wonderful event that happened in the life of our community. I say wonderful because it has many different components to it. Pastor Jack retired at the end of last year, as you'll remember, and uh, he, his main function in our community was always overseeing the pastoral team, so we had to go into a process of replacing him, which we will never be able to really do, but to find somebody else to lead and serve in that team. And uh, so we felt today would be a good time, because it's his birthday also, not Pastor Jack, but Ben Pinches, to ask Ben and Renee, if you will just join me on stage, and we just want to introduce Ben to you, who is now uh, the hub facilitator for our community team, and that oversees the pastoral team, and uh, so it's his birthday today, so I think we all need to give him a really good round of applause. <laughs> so, won't you just, won't you stretch out your hands to them, and we just want to pray for Ben and for Renee, and just bless them in this role that Ben's going to fulfill. Father, we thank you. First of all, we want to lift Ben up to you and thank you for the gift that he is in this community, for all the years that he served in this church in so many different portfolios and places. And, and Father, we thank you that you have positioned him for this time, Lord. And we speak over him your blessings, that you would guide him and lead him, and that as he serves with the pastors and in that team, Lord, that, that your anointing would rest upon him. And thank you, Lord. For Renee that supports him and for the children, Father, we just speak a blessing over their family in this situation, Lord, and, and this role that they fulfill. But we also pray for Ben for his birthday today, Lord. We pray that you will bless him specially today, that he would know that we love and appreciate him and that this year will be an exceptional year for him and for his family in Jesus' name. We all say amen. amen. My, my wishes to him is that Liverpool will win the league this year. So as long as it's not Man City... So thank you very much. As you will know, many of you, Ben, that served as our um, uh, general manager for a number of years now, and uh, he's moving over into the pastoral team, but will still remain as oversight over our finance department and be chairman of the ops team as well. So just so you know that. It's good to be with you today on what I believe is going to be a special Sunday. Um, I'm going to share a shorter message with you this morning because what we would like to do today is to afford each person an opportunity to receive a special prayer and actually to be anointed and that's with oil and that's what I'm going to speak about and just to position us for that. And it comes out of our series that we've been doing about being ready, that we're discerning the Lord saying to us that we have to be ready for things that He wants to do, for a display of His glory. And as a community, we've been taking John 15, 16, and 17, and we've been working through it and saying, Lord, help prepare us as you did the disciples for such an important time that was coming for them. Prepare us, Lord, so that we can be ready. And today I want to talk about being, be ready for the Spirit, ready for the Spirit. And I want to go to John 16, and I'm going to share from verse 5 to 15 with us this morning and just make a few comments as Jesus really now comes to the point where He is sort of giving them the final words before he's going to leave them. And he particularly speaks to them here 
about the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to jump right in, if you don't mind, and just can be ready with me, John 16, verse 5. But now I am going to Him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The message is starting to sink into the disciples that Jesus is really going to leave. And here Jesus, as he's talking with them, says these very interesting words to them. He says, I have to go. It's better for you that I go. Tough words for them to hear and to receive and to actually really believe. How is it better for them that he goes and leaves them? Particularly as he's talking to them, and last week we spoke about being ready for opposition. And he just spoke to them about the opposition that they're about to experience, about the, the struggles and the pain that's coming their way. And now he says to them, but it's, it's better that I go away. He's actually saying to them, I must leave you now. It's not an option. I must leave you. Because if I don't go, then the advocate cannot come. The one that will, I will send to be with you. Now, the word in, this, in the original language here, many of you will be familiar with this word. The word that is used for the Holy Spirit is the word parakletos, or the paraclete, we sometimes say. It's a Greek word that literally translated means one to come alongside. One to come alongside. When Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit in this verse, he says, alos parakletos, which means the, another one of the same kind as himself. So he's saying to them, it's better for you that I leave. I must leave you so that another can come alongside you. One that is like me, is the same as me, but will come and be with you. It's better for you. Now, how is it better for us? I think we understand that while Jesus was in this bodily form here on earth, he was limited in terms of space and time. He couldn't be everywhere with everyone all the time. But when the Holy Spirit comes, who is the same as Christ in the sense that He is part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, of the same essence, co-equal with Jesus. When He comes, He can be everywhere with every believer at all times. That's why it's better for us that the Holy Spirit comes. Same as Jesus, yet can be with every one of us everywhere. Cicely, Pastor Cicely, will you join me on stage here quickly? I can use you as an example with your beautiful shirt that you have on. Pastor Cicely is our disciple here today. I'll be the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? Can, you, can we manage that? Is that okay? Can I be the Holy Spirit? Okay, thank you. So, Jesus is literally saying to the disciples, to our disciple here, it's better for you that I go. So, if I can be Jesus for a moment, it's better for you that I leave you. Now, can you just see this picture? It doesn't look great, does it? There's a lonely disciple thinking, what is going on? He's leaving me so that the Holy Spirit can come. And the Bible uses this language of come alongside, which really means, you know, in us, with us, together with us. The Holy Spirit comes, and He comes to be alongside us. And then Jesus starts telling us some of the things that the Holy Spirit will do for us, part of sort of His job description that He will have as He's with this disciple. The first thing Jesus says, this, the Holy Spirit will be the advocate because this disciple needs somebody to defend him, somebody to stand in the gap for him, somebody to stand up for him. Now, from Scripture, we understand 
that first of all, there's, there's an accuser of the brethren. How many of you know who I'm talking about? That will come before and, and use the law against us all the time to come and say, look at this disciple. He, he sins. He makes mistakes. I know he doesn't, but, you know, he represents the rest of us. But the disciple makes mistakes. The disciple sins. The disciple fails. And this disciple is guilty of sin. But aren't we grateful that the Lord Jesus... And therefore, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the same as Christ, in the same Spirit as Christ, is our advocate that stands up and says, I have paid the price for his sin. Is that what the advocate does? And that's the, the one reason we need a defender. But Jesus was also speaking in the context of remembering what we spoke about last week, getting ready for opposition, that this disciple was about to not only experience opposition from the enemy himself, but from 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 the spirit of this world would also oppose him. Last week I spoke about the spirit of the world. Jesus said the cosmos, it's the creative order that is in, uh, the creative moral order that is in active rebellion against God. That's the spirit of this world. There's a spirit in the world which hates that which Jesus stands for, that belonging to the Father, that living for the Father. And the Lord Jesus says that as a disciple, you are about to experience that spirit coming against you also. And you need the advocate that will stand with you, that will hold you strong when the accusations come against you. Because those accusations were becoming to be very real in their time. That the people in the synagogues, their friends, their families would start standing up and saying really bad things about the disciples. And, uh, and Jesus says, when you feel that, just remember, the Holy Spirit is your advocate. He's standing with you. He's your comforter. You will need comfort. We have a comforter because we need comfort. We need the comfort of the Holy Spirit that comes and says, when everybody's against you, I am with you. I am with you. Don't falter. Because remember I said it last week. Oh, sorry. Our biggest challenge is not the opposition but it's that we will falter in the, in, the, in the face of opposition, that our disciple would run away. So the Holy Spirit says, you're not alone, I'm with you. Just stand here for a moment, thank you. But if we continue on, there's an interesting picture that develops. In John 16, verse 8, Jesus continues to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. He says, when He comes, He will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father who you can see, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. In the original language, it's this interesting thing that happens where he writes and he says, the Holy Spirit is the advocate, but he's also the prosecutor. When he says here, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment, the word there is the word prosecutor, accuser. He will show the world that they're wrong. So at the same time, in a, if you think of a court here, the Holy Spirit is both the advocate and the prosecutor. Now, how does that work? You see, because the spirit of this world, when it comes against the disciple, it actually indicts itself. It actually judges itself. 
Because if the spirit of the world comes against the disciple, and let's say, for instance, the spirit of the world says, you are a bad person because you stand for certain moral laws. You're judgmental. Because you stand and you believe that there's a morality, that certain things belong in certain parameters. Let's say a disciple stands up and says, we believe in this world that that sex should be practiced within the confines of a marriage relationship. When a disciple stands up and says that, the world, the spirit of the world rises up and says, you are a judgmental person because you say that. Has anybody seen that happen? Have you experienced that? Now, when that happens, when the world, the spirit of the world stands up and says that against the, the disciple, the spirit of the world is actually condemning itself. Does that make sense to you? Revealing its own heart. Revealing how far it has come away from that which is God's principles. So the Holy Spirit comes. And the Holy Spirit's function is not only just to be our advocate, to comfort us, to help us to stand strong, but it is also to hold up God's standard in this world and to say, there is a way to live. Now, how does the Holy Spirit do that? The Holy Spirit doesn't have His own Facebook account. He doesn't do Instagram. The Holy Spirit doesn't have a talk show or a radio program. How does the Holy Spirit hold up God's standard to this world? Through the disciple. Jesus said, you are the salt and the light. So through the disciple, the Holy Spirit comes and says, this is the truth about who God is. And that's why Jesus says here, He says the Holy Spirit does these three things. The Holy Spirit will prove to the world or convict the world or make known to the world what is sin, what is righteousness, and what is judgment. About sin, the Holy Spirit needs to, through the disciple, tell the world what sin is because, he says here, people do not believe in me. Now, Jesus came and lived in the world with us. The Scripture says, tempted like us in every way, yet He glorified the Father. He did not give in to the temptation of sin. Our standard for what truth is and what it means to live right and to live a godly life is not the law, it's Jesus. He became the the visible representation of what it means to live a godly life that honors and pleases the Father. It's Jesus. But if you don't believe in Jesus, what standard do you then have? What standard do you hold up to say, that is what is good, that is what is right, that is what needs to be honored and accepted and valued if you don't believe in Jesus? But the Holy Spirit comes through the disciple and He consistently points towards Jesus. Now, we're not perfect, but Jesus in us, the Holy Spirit consistently draws attention to Jesus and says to the world, there is a standard. There is a standard. Not only about what is sin, in other words, what is wrong, but also what is right, righteousness, 
Jesus says the Holy Spirit needs to help us in terms of understanding righteousness in verse 10, about righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. While Jesus was walking with us, we could see the standard of righteousness. Now Jesus leaves, what do we look at as a standard of righteousness? The Holy Spirit comes and makes Jesus known to us, reveals Jesus to us as the standard of righteousness. But it is there that we have the struggle with the spirit of this world. Because for us believers, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we hold Jesus up and we say, that is the standard of righteousness, good, and, and what is perfect. The world says, no. No, 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 no. That's not the standard. That's not what you look at. That's ridiculous. How can you look at a man that lived 2,000 years ago, that died on a cross? How can you look at an old book? It's archaic. How can you draw from today from that and say that is what is right? Because remember, this, the spirit of this world is rooted in what happened in the Garden of Eden. How many remember the story when God created, according to Genesis, and, and He put Adam and Eve in the garden? And He said to them, of all of these trees, you're welcome to eat. But there's one. And I believe that one tree had a fence around it with electric fencing with big signs and floodlights that pointed to it, that said, do not eat poisonous, all the signs you could find, to make it sure that nobody gets confused. But that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God said, if you eat of that tree, you will die. What did that tree represent? That tree represented this, that when man ate of that tree, we were saying to God, we will decide for ourselves. We will figure out right and wrong autonomous from you. You see, this is the big lie that the spirit of this world believes, that is based in. That freedom is to be autonomous, to decide for yourself. You cannot be free if somebody else tells you what is right and wrong. You can't be free. You've got to decide for yourself. And God said, the moment you do that, you will cause great damage to yourself and to this world. Let me use an example to explain how I think it works. We recently bought a, a little car. It's not really this little, but in my mind, it's little. A little car for one of my sons. And uh, the going to Varsity, it's a 1.2. It's got little wheels. It's like, you know, it's got a, like a 12-inch or something 13-inch little wheel. It's a great car for driving in the city. It's, it's, it's got, you know, it's fuel consumption's great. It's a great car. Just don't go four by fouring with it. Just don't take it and try and drive through the dongas and over the ditches. If you do and you take it back to the manufacturer and you say to them, look what happened to this car. It's bent, it's dented, it looks horrible. How can you give me such a terrible car? And they look at it and they say, did you go four by fouring with this car? Yes, we did. They will say to you, sorry, that's your problem. It was not made to do that. When God made us, He knew what He made us for. He knew how He constructed us. He is the manufacturer of you and me. And He said, man will live if they live within certain loving limits that He created for us. If we behave in a certain way, not, not by behavior as in just outward actions, but if we live our lives 
within that which He designed us for, we will have life and life in abundance. Life will be great. But we don't like that. I want to go four by four. I don't really care that God made me not for that. How? Who's God to tell me that I can't do four by four? If I want to do it, I want to do it. And so I go. And I go driving off into the ditches and the dongas, and then I get bent and I get hurt, and then I stand up and say, where's God when you need Him? How can a loving God do this to me? But a loving God says, I never made you for that. So when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, where they said basically, we will decide what is right and wrong, we will know what is sin and what is righteousness, God will not tell us, we will figure it out. The first thing they experienced was shame. God never meant for us to know shame. If we stayed within His parameters and what He made us for, we would not have known shame. The the gender battles that started right there in the Garden of Eden, God didn't intend for us to know that. But because we decided we'll do this on our own, we're better off on our own. We want to be free, and free means autonomy. So Jesus comes. And he comes to prove to us, to show us that freedom is only found if you live with the Father. Jesus said, I do nothing unless I see the Father do. He was the opposite of autonomy. He was total love towards his Father. And in that was freedom. And so through the disciple today, the Lord Jesus wants to show to this world, through you and through me, that freedom, life, is not found separate from God. You can only find life, true life, the fullness of life, if you live in God. And that's why the Holy Spirit comes, and He reveals to us righteousness, sin, sin, righteousness, and judgment. He deals with it in my own life first. The residue of the spirit of this world that is within me, the Holy Spirit comes. And He he deals with that in my life. And then through my life, He draws attention to to Jesus. And through your life. And through the community, more than through my own individual life. He draws us to the Spirit of God. And then in verse 12, I have much more to say to you. More than you can now bear, but when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify Me because it is from Me that He will receive what He will make known to you. All things that belong to the Father is Mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from Me what He will make known to you. Can you see that Jesus is just using language to describe the intertwined, interdependent relationship within the Trinity and how we become part of that? But he says, the Holy Spirit will come and guide you into all truth. Now, the last thought I want to leave with you is this. That we must remember that truth for us is not a doctrine. It is not a concept. It is not a teaching. It is a person. You see, if Jesus came and walked among us and then left us, and left us without the Holy Spirit, then we would have been in a position where we perhaps had a book and we had stories. And we could try our level best to live up to 
that person, which was Jesus, and to, to try and remember the stories and read the book and, and educate ourselves and know the things and know the truth. But because I have the Holy Spirit that guides me into all truth, I have a relationship with God. I'm not just instructed by God. I have a relationship with God. The Holy Spirit comes, and He takes me by the hand, and He guides me. And I love the fact that it says all truth. Not some truth, not portions of the truth, but all truth. Because all truth can only be found in Jesus. You find some truth in lots of different places. You can find some truth in science. You can find some truth in other religions. You can find some truth in philosophy. You even find some truth in the manual of your PVR. You find some truth everywhere. But all truth is only found in who God is and in God. And you and I have the Holy Spirit that knows how to come alongside us and to guide us into all truth. To introduce us to truth. To let us live in truth. To let truth transform us and to let us become those that live the truth. Now, we're on a long, lifelong journey, and that's what it means to be a disciple. Worship team, you guys, you can join me on stage. We're on a lifelong journey of discipleship into truth and letting truth by the power of the Holy Spirit transform us. And we will not get it right perfectly on this side, and we miss it sometimes spectacularly. But we have the Holy Spirit. And this morning... Well, I want to simply invite you to, just into this, to, to say. If I understand correctly what Jesus is saying here, He's virtually saying to us, it's impossible to live the life of a disciple without the Holy Spirit. Do you think that's what the Scripture means? It's impossible. Not only to be a follower of Christ, but also to make Him known to others. It's impossible. I need the Advocate. I need the one that points towards what is truth and what is righteousness and, and how to judge between the two. I need the one that strengthens me, that comforts me. I need the one that guides me into all truth, and then we can go to Acts. I need the one that empowers me. We can go to Galatians. I need the one that gives me the fruit of the Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. We are the people of the Spirit. And if God is saying to us to be ready for a display of His glory, we have to be ready for more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. By more, I don't mean that we only received a part, and then, you know, by more, I mean us surrendering more, allowing the Holy Spirit more. As a community, as people to say, Holy Spirit, I, I want to live for you, because this is the, the wonderful thing. The Holy Spirit is not here merely, and we gather on a Sunday, and we all enjoy the Holy Spirit, and then we go off into our different places. But every day, every moment, everywhere we go, the Holy Spirit is with us. Tomorrow, this time, when you're at varsity, or when you're at work, or when you're at, at the gym, or wherever you may be, do you, the Holy Spirit is with you, empowering you to be a follower of Christ. Everywhere we go, the Holy Spirit's with us. So what we want to do today is we're going to have a little bit of a time of worship and then I'm going to facilitate and send you. But we want to 
use oil as a symbol, and I'll explain just now. And I want to give every person an opportunity this morning to be prayed for by anointing you with oil. Now, let me quickly explain this. This is olive oil in this bottle. We have about 2,000 of them. We went and bought bottles, and we bought, I think, 50 liters of olive oil. Normal cooking olive oil. This is not special oil flown in all the way from somewhere. This oil you can take home and throw it in your food if you want to. There's nothing special about this oil. That's why we don't sell it. That's why Pastor Cicely's face is not on it, or my face, or anybody's face is not on it. This is normal, regular oil. Okay. This oil only has value for what it symbolizes for us. If you rub this oil on your knees, your knees will be oily. <laughs> Amen? If you get healed, that's Jesus. It's not the oil. Or it's not that it says, Hatfield, be ready. That's why we want to give you a bottle of oil like this. This oil represents this. In the Scripture, the oil has a couple of things that it symbolizes. It's often associated with the Holy Spirit. That's why we want to use the oil this morning. Often the oil is used in form of anointing to say we separate this person that is anointed unto service for the Lord. And that's part of the heart of it this morning. That by the Holy Spirit, we, you will be anointed today to be separated unto the Lord. Now, you've already been separated. This is the symbolic nature of it. That it would be something in our lives that we will say, Lord, I want to be ready for your Spirit. Every day, everywhere I go, I want to be ready for your Spirit. I don't want to just come to church on a Sunday and be ready for the Spirit. Because we have got a great facility and we've got great musicians and great people that facilitate and, oh, it's the presence of the Lord. We want that more and more. Amen. But I want your Holy Spirit everywhere I go, Lord. Everywhere I go, your Spirit is with me. Everywhere, Lord. Set me apart for your service. So how this is going to work is we're going to worship for a little bit. I'm going to, can I ask that at this point as we start worshiping the leaders, if you can go to the different points where you will serve. The leaders can move so long and then the rest. After we've worshiped in just a little bit in one song, I'm going to ask you to do the following. You'll see in the front here on my right and on my left, there's tables with these little bottles of oil on it. At the back, there's tables. In the two corners of the top of the balcony, there's tables. If you want somebody to pray for you, you go to one of the tables and pick up a bottle of oil, and then you go to one of the leaders and ask them, will you just anoint me, pray for me? The leaders aren't going to pour this out over you. They're just going to take a little finger and just anoint you with oil. If you want the oil poured out on you, you can ask for it. But this is your bottle. This, we're doing this in all of our services today. This evening, it'll happen. This morning, the children are having the same thing. And in reverb, they're also praying the same thing. But it will be great if you take this bottle of oil and continue to pray. If you feel the Lord lead you to pray for somebody else, perhaps in your family, perhaps somebody that wasn't here today in your life group, and just pray. Because we want to be set apart for that which the Lord wants to do in this time. So can I ask you to stand? So remember, you go fetch the oil, and then you go to a leader and ask them to pray for you. We do this specifically this way because it needs to be something that you do by your choice and by a step of faith that you take.
So it requires a bit of action from you. It's going to get chaotic, I know, but that's okay. We Christians, we know how to be patient. We know how to wait for one another. So let's, let's just come into the Lord's presence and focus our hearts on the Lord's presence. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that it was better for us that you left. We thank you, Jesus, that you send us the one to come alongside us that is the same as you, the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that we can have relationship with you through the Spirit. That we don't just know of you, but we can know you, Lord. That your word is alive, is active. That you are with us, not just here when we gather in amazing places like this, but that every day you go with us, Lord. Every day we are with you and you are with us, Holy Spirit. And in every situation, you're our advocate, you're the prosecutor. You're our comfort. You're the one that strengthens us and guides us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And we come today, and as a community, we want to just say, Lord, we want you to have your way among us, Holy Spirit. Don't just come and visit us, Holy Spirit, but come and dwell among us. Come and have your way in us as a community. Come and have your way with us as individuals. Come, Holy Spirit. And therefore, Lord, today as we step into this, this symbolic activation of anointing oil that we just ask somebody to pray over us and anoint us. Lord, we see it as an activation in the Spirit to say we want to step into being separated for your service, Lord, in this world, in this time, in Jesus' name. When you're ready, you're welcome to come. I'm going to ask that you, if you're in the front section of the bottom floor, you come to the front. For the back section, you go to the back. The leaders that pray are going to pray a short prayer over you. We don't have enough that we can pray long prayers. It's just going to be a short prayer that they're going to pray. We're going to continue to worship as this, as this happens. You're welcome to go back to your seats after we've prayed for you. You're also welcome to leave the service. This is how we're going to end today. But we just want to worship the Lord and just be in His presence together. Thank you.